You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 11th, episode 3251. You know, 22 years ago today at this hour, all of you that were alive remember where you were and what you were doing. Every year we remember, and the next bit of sound could be triggering for some. If so, we'll take a slight pause while you hit the fast-forward button 60 seconds. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I did chat with my my son about it. You know, he's 10. They weren't there. It's like ancient history for people that weren't weren't yeah, alive. Be, and right. and I, I have this um, thing that I have that it, it's it, it, like a timeline. 846, the North Tower was struck. 903, the South Tower. 937, Pentagon. 959, South Tower collapses. 1007, Flight 93 crashes in Pennsylvania. 1028, the North Tower collapses. It was just one of those. And I'm trying to explain to him, I'm like, you don't like trying to explain to him what the world was going through at that time. It's just I mean, everybody remembers where they were, and it's not—it's not important. I mean, it's just it's important to you and your story of nine eleven, and uh, just just I think it's important to never never forget and to play that every year. I think it's part of it, and I hope nobody fast forwarded it because it was it was a thing. It was like when the the world changed that day. It's like the air got sucked out of the country. You know how when you lose your breath when you fall? Yeah. It was like that for the country and the world, for that matter. But, just utter yeah. chaos. Just utter chaos. So you guys, be go out and be nice to somebody today. Do something nice for somebody. And that's what you can do on 9-11. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. And you were back in Atlanta. Were you in Atlanta when 9-11 happened? I was on the radio yeah. at the exact moment. And I remember watching the first plane hit the tower and I was in a news and traffic center. So the place just went bananas and I called, I mean, I I know probably about 10 people whose memory is of me calling them. And because I was like, mom, I don't know where you are, but you have to turn on the TV. This is just one of those things. And I was in a high rise in Atlanta. And I remember my brother going, get out of there, get home, come home right now. And I'm like, I can't, somebody has to tell everybody about it. So yeah, it was it was just nuts. Yeah, you were you were you were dealing with it firsthand, really. Yeah, I, yeah. 
And we heard about it, ironic, that Jennifer and I were driving at that moment into town for something and heard about it on the radio. The radio is the first place we heard about it. Yep. Yep. That's, that was Radio that was, was a thing back then. <laughs> that was us. People actually listened to the radio in 2001. <laughs> Well, um, today we're gonna we're gonna have a very interesting conversation with a guy named Raymond White. He's the brother of Cheryl White, who was the first uh, black female jockey, and he's going to tell us about his new book, "The Jockey and Her Horse," inspired by the true story of the first black female jockey, Cheryl White. I can't wait to talk to him about that. Uh, I'm going to share uh, my favorite new product of Wisa. I did a quick interview with the inventor. I'm going to bring that to you today, and we're, we 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 don't have really bad ads. Why did I have really bad ads written in here today? We have uh, question first world problems, You read what's written, just like I do. You read what's written. First world problems, equestrian version. So they had some. The auditors still have problems. Uh, we'll get to those. Plus, in the post show, we're going to talk about your trip to Atlanta and uh, your, your baseball weekend. I did. I had a baseball weekend, and I'm going to give you the origin story of Jamie Steele. <laughs> That's right. Coming up in today's post show. We have some auditor birthdays today. Tiana Vestry, uh, Tessa Heyman, Rachel Laux, and April Hardiman. Also, we have a brand new auditor we want to thank for joining, and that's Mel Foxworth. Welcome to the group, and we appreciate you your support of the Horse Radio Network. Also, we want to encourage you and remind you that it's Tell a Friend Month. So please do tell everybody at your barn, post on social media. I'll be posting some things up today that you can share uh, on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page uh, and in the auditor room today. So definitely tell everybody about the show. That's how we grow and it's free it's simple and it's easy to do spread the word well i would like to give my daily winnie to delta airlines that's right yeah don't okay so I was booked on my husband's airline and I got on the plane and I was like, you know, with my son, 10 years old, and we're in the very, very last seat by the bathroom. And so all is normal. They taxi out and the plane stops and doesn't take off and sits on the runway for an hour. Okay. An hour. Then they taxi us back to the gate where we then sit for another hour and a half. So two and a half hours on this plane, when we taxi back to the gate, they turned off the engine because I guess there was something wrong on the checklist and they needed to have the engines turned off. And, and, and it was Atlanta and it was hot and it was two and a half hours sitting in a plane the last hour and a half with no air conditioning. Glenn, I mean, I was drenched from the top of my back all the way to like sitting in a pool of sweat. People are fanning themselves. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. Well, they they decided, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to deplane because it's so hot in here. And so they start to deplane. And then like all of a sudden the air conditioning comes on and I was like, is the engine on? Can we not deplane? Can we go? And the flight attendant who was like 12 was like, um, so like, I just realized that I have to open these like vent things because they attach air conditioning and like I opened them and 
oh my God, it's like so cool in here. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I might kill you. Just so anyway, the plane. <laughs> uh, so we were supposed to land in Dallas. And the cool thing was Chad was on a trip and he was going to fly from Dallas to Oklahoma City on his schedule. So we were actually going to be on his flight. Okay, which was going to be awesome. We just happened to catch Chad in the middle of a flight. So we missed that. Obviously, we are screwed. And at this point, we're looking at the flights because I fly standby. There are no even if we get to Dallas on this plane at this point, we've missed our only chance to get back to Oklahoma City. There's nothing. Everything is completely full for the next two days. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to call Glenn and I'm going to not do the show. I was like, or I'm going to Uber from Dallas to Oklahoma City, which is going to take like three hundred dollars. It's crazy. I was like, this is going to suck. So we are standing in the terminal again after completely being drenched in sweat. And Chad's like, okay, I see that there's a Delta flight that is, we can look at other flights, but you don't know what the loads are on the flight. So he's like, it would be taking a chance if you want to go over to from Terminal T over to Terminal D. Go Which run in Atlanta the is about a 12 mile walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, a train ride for six hours and, and you have 30 minutes. So Lucas and I are like, we're going to do it because we might, even if we You're get on this sweating. plane, we're screwed <laughs> and we're already drenched so much. Well. So we start to hustle and we hustle through the airport and we get to this gate and Chad has booked us on it while we're running and we get to this gate. We're like, hi, where are you? We just, well, I'm Jamie. Warren. And she was like, I don't have you in the computer. I'm like, it just got through. And she was like, oh, there you are. Boop. It just pops up. She was like, okay, well, I'll let you know if there's seats. Two minutes later, she's like, come on in. There's seats open. Oh my God. And this is a Dallas directly to Oklahoma city flight. Right? So we're on, we're in the plane at this point. We've made the flight. We're super excited, but Lucas is we've been up since three. I mean, it's just like the worst, like the worst. We're sweaty. We're hot. We're hungry. We're tired. We're frustrated. We've been running all the things. And he starts crying, oh, but no. I just wanted to get in the cockpit with dad. Oh, no. Like it was like the worst of the worst. And I'm like, I'm trying to console him, but I'm also hungry, tired, sad, angry and all the things, <laughs> but we're on a plane. And I was like, trying to be cool. Like at least we're on a plane. We're heading home. Like we're, we're made it. We, we're going to have the worst time ever if we didn't make this fight. So anyway, back of the plane flight lands we're in oklahoma city we're the last ones to leave the plane the very last because we're in the back by the bathroom again when you fly standby it's not glamorous like it's not like first class it's like you're in the back so we make our way out and the dang captain is standing by the cockpit and he's still saying goodbye to everybody and he was like hey little man you want to come in the cockpit What? You ever been one? And, and this captain grabs Lucas and was like, hey, buddy. And of course, Lucas isn't going to be like, well, my dad. He was like, sure. Okay, great. Thanks. And the guy puts Lucas in the cockpit, throws his captain hat on him, gives him a pair of wings, gives him a like a laminated card of the type so of airplane and details. obviously the gate agent said something to him. No, no? it's just. It's just Delta is awesome with kids. Somebody will. Uh, Ch Chad huh. said, I do that to kids all the time. I'm like, sure, you do, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, like, this guy was awesome. And I've talked to him about his play. I get Lucas up in the front. I'm taking pictures of him 
in the cockpit. It was like the greatest. And then we land in Oklahoma City 10 minutes before Chad. So we sprint down to his gate. We watch him come out and we scare him. Luke is like, watch, we gotta hide. We gotta hide. So Luke, Chad finally makes his way up the tarmac, up the, up the little shooting. And Chad, Lucas goes, Captain! <laughs> scares Chad. It was awesome. And I can't believe we made it 10 minutes before Chad and the dang Delta pilot lets Lucas go in the cockpit. I was like, we don't need you. We've got Delta. And Lucas was like, Dad, I'm not going to lie. I think Delta might be better. <laughs> it was like the best smack talk. It's like we had the best experience on Delta Airlines. So anyway, <clears throat> my you husband's were lucky airline. too because uh, over the on like Friday, Delta canceled like a thousand flights for a computer oh. error. You were lucky. Uh, the whole thing. I can't believe I'm sitting here right now. Not gonna lie, or that, and, or that my I didn't know credit you could fly is. standby on a different airline. So what it is like when I have when I want to fly on Chad's airline, I look at this app and it tells me how many seats are available and all this. Well, you can see what the other flights are, but they don't tell you how many seats they have a smiley face, either a smiley face, a middle kind of face, like where the like mouth is straight or a frowny face. And this one had like the mouth is straight kind of thing. But you don't know how many other people are on standby that that fly for Delta because Delta people are going to get first priority. So we're like the very bottom, the bottom of the barrel. And um, apparently the medium frowny face paid off because we booked it and we made the flight and Lucas got to go to the cockpit. No thanks to Chad. Well, well done. I'm glad you got back. I'm, I'm really glad you got back. Yeah, yeah, I was I was sweating. I was sweating, man. I was like, oh, my God, I'm having this kid. And I've got like, oh, geez, Louise, it's going to suck. It's going to suck. I'm going to have to call people in Dallas like, guy, can we stay with you? I've got an Uber. Like, I didn't even know what to do. I mean, I don't even know if there was flights on Tuesday, but there was none on Sunday or Monday that we could have got. Anyway, it was awesome. Thank you um, for Chad did organize it, but Delta was Pretty rad, not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> you know what else is rad? Cosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit cosequinequine.com. So we had a chance before we get to our, our ADA recording, we had a chance over the weekend to go out. Uh, Zach, remember Zach, the guy who's clearing our property? Everybody needs a Zach, like everybody yes. needs a farm boy. Everybody needs a farm boy, everybody needs a Kevin. Yeah, yes. all the things. Everybody needs a Zach. Well, we met Zach out there Friday afternoon. He has he has been done, he's done pushing down trees uh, and clearing the property. Now he has to pile it all up. And what they do here is they dig a hole and they burn it all. Um, so that has to happen yet this week. And then it'll begin seeding. So Jennifer's got the seed coming in and uh, property. Look, it came out really good. I, I, we Aww. weren't sure what it looked like because it was completely covered in trees and overgrowth. Um, and he showed us a picture of the uh, about six and a half, seven foot rattlesnake he killed. No, uh, which nice. was absolutely enormous. So I said, uh, and then we walked around the property to see if there was any other trees. And I said, are there any more? And he said, I think I scared him away with a bulldozer the last two weeks. So he was pretty confident there were no more. Um, but it looks great. The house will sit up on one side of the property and it does drop off. I think we have the only hill in the neighborhood. Uh, it kind of drops off. The only off. hill in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Scooter will get some hill work and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll be buff by the time he's done living there. 
So that's all all good. We ordered the barn. Should be uh, all all things should be happening in the next you're, couple of months. You're growing up. I'm so proud. I know it's it is fun. It's fun to it's fun to do. Uh, it's a fun project for eventual retirement. And I did test Starlink. So I got a Starlink because there's no cable or anything out there. So, you know, if we're going to do this show from out there, I needed reliable internet. And I tested Starlink and it worked. And it was Yay. it was good, good numbers. So I think we'll be able to do the show from out there too. So that was all good news. You know, every time we go to ADA, ADA and WISA is the trade show where wholesalers meet retailers and manufacturers go to meet retailers. And it's over three or four days, and it happens twice a year. And I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I always pick out a new product of the show, a product that I really like that I think is going to help not only horse women, but horse husbands. So it has to be a horse husband approved product, and it has to be somebody who's a entrepreneur who basically it's their first time they ever invented anything. And Jamie will tell you, some of these people that we talked to and we had on the air now are running companies that have multiple products and are doing very well. And then others didn't make it, but, but some did, and some have done very well. I met Kat Gunther there, and she didn't even have a booth. I met her through one of the salespeople at Equine Network, and the, the salesperson said, you got to meet her. She's young, and she has this product she invented. And I did a quick interview with her because I gave her the horse husband product of the show. Oh, no. I'm at uh, Ada, and I love highlighting brand new companies that I've just heard of from the first time, especially entrepreneurs with a new product that solves a problem that I have. Yeah. So that's why I have Kat here. She is with Rapstar, yes. and it is a brand new product to the market. And I'm a horse husband, been a horse husband <laughs> for 35 years. We go to horse shows or at home. And we get very few jobs that our wives trust us to do. You probably know that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the jobs that you get is filling hay nets, which is an absolute nightmare, and I just hate it. I hate it, too, and I'm, uh, I'm a horse person. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it's yeah. just awful. Uh, <laughs> the other job is at a show, uh, they, your wife tends to take the wraps off the legs quickly, and uh, they want you to roll, wrap them up, roll them up. Yep. And I never roll them up properly and always <laughs> get in trouble. Yeah. And you're here to solve my problem. I am here to solve your problem because <laughs> I, I didn't roll them up properly before, and I used to show horses for about 10 years. And, and what wrap, kind of wraps are we talking about? No, like let's clarify. Polo, polo wraps. Yeah, yeah, polo wraps, standing wraps. Because I used to use standing wraps at night and yeah. then polo wraps when you were just practicing or whatever. So I wasn't rolling them right. And eventers use them all the time. Yeah. yeah. Dressage people, yeah. reining people. A lot of people use yep. them. Yep. But I was not rolling them right. They were loose. They, it just was. It took forever. Yep. So I thought to myself during quarantine, I'm like, okay, how can I solve this problem? So I started sketching. And then Rapstar was born. So, so what is it? Describe it. It is a product under two pounds. Okay, it's very lightweight. It's portable, and it re-rolls your wraps. So it's kind of hard to describe without the picture, but it's basically this light plastic material and then a little metal rod that goes through the armholes, and you just put your Velcro in there, slide it through the little U-bar, and just start rolling. I saw this in action, and it's so slick, and it it's, makes them perfect. My wife would even yes, approve. Yes. Uh, but the nice part is this is very portable. You can hang it over a stall door. You can hang it in the trailer, yes, wherever. Yes. The patented technology of it is that you can hang it over basically any kind of width from, I think we have it at a half to two inches. Um, and it's adjustable. So if you get to the show and you put it over the stall and it's not tight, you just take your little screwdriver and make it tight. 
And the, the, the key to this, too, is not only is it make them perfect, it's mm-hmm. 10 times faster. 10 times faster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. boom, had, boom, boom, you're done. We had a customer buy one, and somebody in her barn was like, okay, I can wrap faster than that thing. There's no way this little device that's so lightweight can just... On her like leg, that. like yeah. everybody does. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so they raced and took a video and sent it to me. And at the end, the lady who hand-rolled hers was like, I just got defeated by this little <laughs> <laughs> roller because it wraps so much faster and tighter than you can by hand. If you're a groom for multiple horses, you yeah. need to have one of these in your barn. You need to. Uh, it's just it's, no question about it. It's just It makes life 10 times easier. And I am so excited that it was somebody who wasn't a large corporation who just no. saw a problem. Yeah. And, you know, we think all the problems in the world are fixed, right? No. Yeah, it's these little annoying ones that really need fixed. Exactly. 100%. No, it was just a college kid during quarantine just started drawing some stuff up and now we have a patented trademark product that people love. Where can people buy it? EquineRedefined.com. EquineRedefined.com. Yep, as well as on Amazon. All right, and the pr- name of the product is Rapstar. Rapstar, yeah. You'll find it there. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well for this episode. And it's a great test. Christmas yeah. gift. Wonderful Christmas gift. Wonderful. But it's definitely show dad approved, show husband approved. And so. website again? The Website again? Oh, website again. EquineRedefined.com. Well, next up, we have Raymond Dwight, who co-authored The Jockey and Her Horse, inspired by the true story of the first black female jockey, Cheryl White, who happens to be his sister. And this was co-authored by a friend of the show who's been on many, many times, and that's Sarah Maslinier. She's the New York Times reporter and author. She's come on our show many times about her various books. Good morning, Raymond. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. You know, when we talked to Sarah about uh, chatting about this book, he said, she said, you don't need me, you need Raymond. So <laughs> we appreciate you doing this with us today. Where did your family grow up? Uh, we grew up in Rome, Ohio, um, Ashtabula County, which Ashtabula County is famous in Ohio for being the largest county by land and the smallest county by population. Uh-huh. Um, we grew up on a 400 acre horse farm and, um, you know, we were country kids. We were, my sister and I both, we were country kids, grew up in the country and, and deep in the middle of the snow belt. So, so, so how far apart were you and your sister? Who was older? She was older. Um, I said eight and a half years. She would say nine years. Um, (laughs) We went back and forth on that, but it was actually something like eight and three quarters. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah. So now your dad was a trainer, right? A horse trainer? Yes. 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 My father was a trainer for, oh, he was a trainer back in, starting in the the mid twenties, late twenties. He was a jockey, um, like twenties, like, like 1920s. Gotcha. Um, so yeah and uh he was a trainer in in uh, gosh he was in the he was a uh, about 65 years in the business and um he was still galloping horses up until he was 84 years old he was still galloping eight to nine horses a day so um was a tremendous horseman and um if we he, he we, the joke used to be that he forgot more than we knew so that's incredible. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, yeah. wow. What makes yeah, you feel he was like 84. a wimp for quitting at 20 because I was like, <laughs> this is hard. Oh, yeah, he he gall- he used to his quote was racehorses was a lazy man's job and I never did figure that out. Yeah, I can't <laughs> so, figure that out either. <laughs> it's 7 days a week. He said you're not punching the clock and uh 
He said, you don't punch a clock in uh, seven days a week, but he's, he always said it was a lazy man's job. So I, I disagree I with that part. any horses are a lazy man job. <laughs> any of the no, disciplines. <laughs> I, I, I guess what he means is if you love what you do, it's not work. Yeah. So that's probably what he meant. What tracks were he, was he racing at then living in Ohio there? Well, he was living in Ohio. I mean, my father was... He had, uh, he'd been all over. I mean, the main track as we grew up as kids was Thistledown, but he ran at Penn National, Finger Lakes, Commodore Downs, uh, now defunct racetrack in Pennsylvania called Pitt Park at the Meadows. Uh, but previous in his previous life, he'd been at Churchill Downs, Chicago, all the Arlington Park, Sportsman's Park. Um, my father had actually had a horse in the Kentucky Derby in 1932 wow. and a horse in the Kentucky Derby in 1944. Um, and what I had probably not thought about as a kid, um, but as Sarah pointed out that my father ran a horse in the Derby in 1932 when he wasn't allowed to sit in the grandstands in 1932. Oh, oh wow. So that was, of course, I never thought about that as a kid. It never, never occurred to me. No, you're just growing um, up on the know. farm, right? Huh. Yeah. I yeah. grew up on a farm and, um, you know, out till from sun up to sundown, you know, but and then it was hard to come inside at sundown. So we like to be out, you know, out outside. So, so. was he the trainer on record <laughs> of the Derby entry or did he just work with? Oh, the yeah. Derby? Oh, my God. Oh, no, he, was a, he was a trainer. He was Let a trainer on record. Something, Mr. White, mm-hmm. your next book yes. needs to be about your daddy. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. I, I yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, my father um, had a horse, two horses in the Kentucky Derby, he had one in the Preakness. Um, I remember as a kid seeing an article about my father had a horse named Kings Bay. Kings Bay won a $50,000 race in Chicago in like 1944, 1946, some, some year like that. Which, of course, today, that's equivalent to about a million-dollar race. But, uh, he, so, there could um, not have been very many African-American uh, trainers at that point. Well, I'll tell you, I thought the same thing. I thought my father was one of the first African-American trainers, but through research and history and learning, um, I found out that uh, racing was a black sport. There were a lot of black. The four, four black trainers won the Kentucky Derby before 1900. Yeah, and back um, in the, 18, and the 1800s, I knew that. Most of the jockeys were, yeah, bl- were black. Yeah, too, most of the jockeys were, so were the trainers. Yeah. And in the 1940s, there was an article I saw in Pittsburgh, Churchill Downs, the uh, Kentucky Derby Museum sent it to me. Um, it was about a trainer, a black trainer who had been – a trainer at that point in the forties for 50 years already. And, um, so I, you know, my father just, there wasn't a lot, I didn't grow up with a lot of black trainers, but I know that my father was, uh, um, he was well-respected in the industry. He was considered one of the best horsemen anybody ever knew. And he, um, did not run horses on drugs. He did not use even the legal drugs. He didn't use Butte, Lasix, nothing. He didn't run them on wow. anything. You need to write a book um, about your of, father. We need yeah, that book right now. <laughs> <laughs> he took care of horses. He took care of them holistically is what we would call that today. Um, he made his own poultices to pull inflammation out of their legs. Um, he just did things the right way. He listened to the horse. And and one of the things that I remember as a kid, we had a horse that won a race, and we were, and we were going to the test barn because you always have to test after the race to make sure they're not on drugs. Um, I said to my father, I said, when are we going to run him back, dad? And my dad said, we'll run him back when he tells me he's ready to run. And I never forgot that as a kid, that he listened to the horse. 
So uh, if it, that was two weeks, if that was a month, if it was six weeks, he would not run a horse until the horse told him he was ready to run. Your job is at this point, a family historian. You have to tell these stories because yeah. I mean, this story of your yeah. sister is amazing. Let's get on to her a little bit. So she yeah. kind of oh, grew yeah. up on the track with you guys as well. Oh yeah. She grew up around all of it. I mean, we, 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 um, you know, we learned from the best and, uh, um, you know, my sister was an amazing horsewoman, a jockey and a horsewoman. So, but she, um, you growing know, she, up, she, I, she had to hurdle in that there was no female black jockeys at that at, at that. Oh, point. there were none. There were I mean, none. there were barely female actually, jockeys. Well, I was just getting ready to say that she was actually one of the first of the first wave of female jockeys. Um, so she was in that first wave. Now I was nine years old when she started riding. So. I was kind of oblivious to the whole, I knew the historic part of it, of her being the first black female jockey. However, um, the whole turbulence in this country at, at that time, I, I wasn't really akin what, to. What year were we and talking there? 1971. Okay. So we're just coming out yeah, of Vietnam. So, we're in Vietnam and the whole oh yeah, and all of that. You know, uh, the, uh, uh, you had you had all kinds of upheaval in the country. Yeah. I actually learned that through a documentary, which is ironic, and I, I know that's kind of I'm going off course with it, but it was it was a documentary called No No Doc No No Doc No No Documentary. It's about Doc Doc uh, Ellis of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he they, this documentary showed all that turbulence that was going on in seventy one seventy two. And I was just watching that, just my jaw dropping, because I was thinking, oh, my God, my sister was riding, becoming the first black female jockey in the middle of all of this. So the, what she, the turbulence, I didn't know all that was going on. But why that was so interesting to me was Dave Cash of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was the second baseman of the P Pittsburgh Pirates when they won a World Series. I found him in the grandstands at Pitt Park at the Meadows when my sister was a jockey. My sister was such a household name that Dave Cash knew who, who she was. And I somehow went up to him and I said, hey, my sister, Cheryl White. He goes, really? I go, yeah. I said, would you like to get in a win picture if she wins a race? He said he would. And I have that win picture. Oh, my God. He got, he, she did. She won a race. And I drug Dave Cash down to the winner's circle. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and ironically, I always thought it was my dad's horse that won the race. When I looked at the wind picture, I was like, who is this trainer? I have no idea whose horse this is. <laughs> I just took Dave Cash and barged into somebody else's wind picture because my sister was their jockey. So, um, but it was ironic that Dave Cash knew who my sister was, but she didn't, I, I assure you, she did not know who he was. <laughs> she, she, so, pure horse you know, girl. She didn't know. She oh, didn't pure care. horse girl. Yeah, she didn't know. She didn't care. So, uh, but you know, it's, uh, she, she, you know, I asked, somebody asked me, I've been asked the question many times. What's one word that you would use to describe your sister? One word. And that one word is always, I always come back to fearless. She was fearless. She was fearless in her endeavor to become the first black female jockey. She was fearless to keep doing it uh, in spite of whatever pushback she got from people. Um, just be 18, 19 years old to go out to California. That she had to be fearless to do that. You know, being a country girl, I mean, we grew up in the middle of nowhere. We were country kids. We didn't, you know, going to California on your own. Yeah, you know, that took some guts. So I come back to that. And, and in riding in races, 
she was fearless. I mean, she'd take a horse and stick her nose up in that hole and go in between horses without without hesitation. So, and you know. this book is about really about her start, right? It, it goes through the yeah. her start and how she met. I don't want to get into too much of it because I want people to read the book, but how sure. she, she met Jetto, um, and yeah. that horse is really the horse that got her into being a jockey. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Jetto was a. Uh, he was the favorite horse of all of us. I mean, to, to have him immortalized along with my sister is absolutely amazing. Um, he was a great horse. And uh, um, so, he, and that was our first winner. She won three or four races on him, but it, that was the first horse she won on. Well, how, how long did she ride? 21 years. Wow. Yeah, 21-year career. And we just lost her recently, not too long ago, right? Four years ago, 2019. Um, unfortunately she had asthma. She, I'll tell you how tough she was. She drove back from, from California in 2017. She would come back here to work at Mahoning Valley race course, but she drove back, stopped at my son's house. And I guess she was complaining of some pain she was having. My son calls me. He goes, Hey, call your sister. And so she's got something going on and, and, and she know how hardheaded she is. I said, so I called her and I go, what's going on? She goes, oh, I just got some pain up here and a little tightness in my chest and blah, blah, blah. And I, she said, I've had it for a day or so. I said, so you had it while you were driving from California? She's like, yeah. I said, hey, how about you go to the emergency room and find out what's going on? I don't need to go to the emergency room. You know, I'm fine. I said, can you just uh, humor me? Do it for yeah. me. So she was like, all right, I'll go. She went there and they go, oh, you're having a heart attack. And oh so uh, she drove across from California, back to California, back east, while having a heart attack, a mild one at the time. Um, they put a stent in through her wrist, and then she was good to go from there for a couple of years. Well, fast forward two years later, she had an asthma attack. She had really bad asthma. She had an asthma attack. She called 911. They came really quick. They got there within three to four minutes. Um, but by the time they'd gotten there, she'd had a second heart attack and she was unresponsive. And it took them 15 minutes to revive her. And um, she stayed in a uh, she stayed in a coma for six months. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so ironically, she passed away from the same thing our father did, an anoxic brain injury. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, and we, you know, there was a time we thought we, we had a chance and it just... It was just an uh, unfortunate circumstance. You know, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say about it. It's, you know, I guess God works his hand and, you know, they, they, they say in mysterious ways. So, well, um, you, know, you know, you couldn't have picked, I can't wait to read this book. I, uh, I my copy's on the way. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, did Sarah ap- approach you about doing the book? Is that how it happened? Or did you approach her? She did. Yeah. She reached out. We had a GoFundMe out there. Um, which we haven't, uh, and we had a GoFundMe out there. She emailed me through the GoFundMe and, um, cause you can contact me through that. And she, um, she contacted me and called me and said, Hey, I'm a New York times reporter. I just got a, uh, an original copy of the jet magazine. Your sister was on the cover of in 1971, which that magazine, she actually, um, several people were on cover of the magazine that year different magazines that year. Um, Mod thing, Muhammad Ali was on there, Aretha Franklin. I think uh, Angela Davis was a lot of people that she shared that she had the dignity of being on the cover of these very famous people. But she said, I got a copy of that magazine and I'm a, I'm a Cheryl white fangirl is what she told me. (laughs) And I really want to write a story about your sister and blah, blah, blah. And I, so I was like, you know what? 
we're having a race at Mahoning Valley Racecourse in three days. They're having a race in her honor. And um, she says, oh, I'd love to come to that race. Can I come to it? I go, yeah, you can come. And she says, I want to bring a photographer. So she came and brought a photographer. And we just connected. Um, when she interviewed me and interviewed the family and we met her, there was just an instant bond. Um, it was like we'd known her forever and um, we just connected and it just kind of went from there. She was like, hey, we need to do a book on your sister. We need to do a documentary, a movie. Um, and all of this has kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah, well, and, I want to um, end on that. So we'll tell everybody where to get the book. But is the documentary movie, I heard rumors, is that a go? Um, we have a, uh, a we do have a production company that is um, we have a pitch deck on it and it is um, it would be we'd be more of a go yeah. if we weren't in the middle of a writer. Everybody's strike. on strike. Yeah, uh, got it. Yeah, so that's kind of holding everything up, but we've got some really um, strong people that are interested in it. We've got some really good support and we've got some real good momentum and I. I believe it'll get. It's going to get it done. With, get made. I, don't think I mean, my God, this it, is, it'll get done. This is a this yeah. is a real life story. That, you know, there's been so many of these movies out there about you know the girl losing the farm and you know going to the dressage show right. and winning big, uh, which we all right. know doesn't happen. Here's a case where it's right. real, right? It's a real story. Well, yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. And if I can, if I can help you end on a note, yeah. I had an interview from a magazine, a newspaper interview in Saratoga. And the, 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 the lady who was wonderful who interviewed me said, she said she'd been researching black jockeys. And I said to her, in your research, let me ask you a question. In your research of black jockeys, did you come across my sister? And she told me, no, I had not. Mm. And I said, and that is exactly why we're doing this. Oh because there is no way, there is no way that when you research black jockeys that you should never come, that you should never, you should always come across Cheryl white when you're researching black jockeys. So, um, and that's kind of, she put that in her article too. So it was in the daily Gazette there in Saratoga. And uh, it was a really wonderful article she did. So I am just as, as, as a person that has two brothers, I am just, my, my heart is warm hearing you talk about your sister with such, I mean, like I, I, my brothers, I could do whatever. My brothers just would never think twice about complimenting me ever. And here you are speaking with so much pride and, and love. Wow. I just, it just, it's awesome. I, I see the movie. Wow. I, I think Letitia Wright from Black Panther, she's your sister. Oh, she's going to play her and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I got the whole thing in my mind. So you just call me afterwards. We'll go, we'll get some stuff done. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Raymond, Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us. The name of the book is The Jockey and Her Horse. You can find it anywhere. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well. Uh, we really we, appreciate this. And we also have a website if anybody okay. wants to find out more on Cheryl White, um, the Cheryl White Project.com. Um, that is our website, the Cheryl White Project.com. And also, you could we have an Instagram, the Cheryl White Project at Instagram. Um, there's all kinds of information that we, we've uh, put up on Cheryl. So it's very, uh, very informative. All right, great. So. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day. Appreciate talking to you guys. Thank you. The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science. 
Their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put the research to the test at horseinnovation.com. That's horseinnovation.com. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. Well, there was a lot of uh, submissions this week, Glenn, but also um, a lot of real problems. So I'm not going to cover those because they're actually problems. What we want is your equestrian first world problems. And if you want to participate in this, you have to become an auditor. And I go up on the Facebook page uh, every Sunday and just ask you what's going on in your world. And so if you want to participate in this, become an auditor, how do they do that, Glenn? Just go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner for as little as $3 a month. You too can participate. All right. Well, we're going to start with Diane. Uh, She says that finally having our own farm where we get to live with our horses is fabulous. And Glenn, you're going to be there very soon. She says that is except for the fact that now we have to go find a farm sitter so we can go on our cruise to Bermuda this winter. (laughs) Believe me, I've thought about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're going to be back in the back in the business. Oh, I believe me. I've thought about it. Uh, Andrew says, I just sold two saddles in my collection. But I already bought another I don't need. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I've been really good about selling some saddles recently, but I have a, anybody needs a Devaku 18 inch Makila. I've got, I've got it for you. (laughs) I can't seem to sell that one. Uh, Nicole says my horse and I competed in our third Aquathlon. Am I saying that right? Aquathlon? Equathon? Equathathon? I don't know. I always get it wrong too. We had somebody on about those recently. I think it would be great to have her on. She says, my horse set a personal record. She was such a good girl and wasn't even phased when we saw a bear. See, oh, we well. need to have her on. You know she what says, that is? It's the ride and tie thing where you you ride part of the race and then you run part of the race. You tie your mm. horse and run. Not for well, you. That, <laughs> it makes sense because she says, but I'm so sore. I haven't been able to move all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it, it makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, Janelle says the weather is finally feeling like fall. And my horse pulled two shoes. <laughs> Couldn't just pull Carrie, one, had to pull two. Had to pull two. Uh, Carrie says, I'm so, uh, she put a picture of this beautiful bay, dappily gorgeous horse in the, in the, in the feed and, and says, I'm so afraid my horse's beautiful dapples are going to go away when he grows his winter coat. You guys complain about summer. Now you're complaining <laughs> about winter. Oh, we're in a, for a whole winter full of complaining, I think. I think so. Laura says, I rode a horse I have for sale today out on the trails, and he was so awesome. But now I don't want to sell him. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Jamie's life. (laughs) Uh uh Uh-huh. Sandy says, my thoughtful horse husband got me a Pivo for my birthday. I don't really want to compete, and I don't want to ride poorly. So now I have to learn technology and work hard to ride better. (laughs) (laughs) You see a lot of comments about people trying to figure out their Pivo. Uh-huh. YouTube yeah. is uh-huh. a wonderful thing. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. 
Kaylin says, I have a horse show hangover and I didn't even show. It was my stupid daughter's show. She didn't say stupid. I added that. <laughs> uh, Celeste says, I leave for a two and a half week trip abroad on Friday morning. So, of course, my gelding did just picked a great time to do some unknown thing to his leg. And I'm trying to figure out what I have to do. Why must they do these things to us? <laughs> And it's always the horse husband left home to deal oh, with Oh, are you leaving on a trip? Cool. Hold my beer. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, Kathleen, Kathleen, I have some advice for you after this, but I'll read her problem. I woke up at 530 in the morning. It was still dark. But when I do that, I have to turn the bathroom light on and it wakes up our donkey who then lets you know he's awake by bringing loud enough to wake everybody in the entire house. And the only reason I turned the light on was I wanted to see if the toilet seat was up or down. <laughs> you need a tiny little nightlight. They make those. No, no, they have. I have it in Lucas's room. I found it because he would flip the light on, then he would just be awake. So it's like this little light that goes underneath the, the toilet, um, seat. toilet seat I and it tr- it's different colors. And Do they work? Amazon. Yes, we've had it for like five years. <laughs> and it sits under a toilet seat. And it either like when you it's motion detector, so it it turns like it all lights the toilet up red or blue or green and like changes colors when you're in there. It's <laughs> but at night it's really cool. Uh so check that out. It's an Amazon like toilet seat color yeah, changing. Like, it's like an as seen on TV thing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I've had to change the battery in it. It wasn't my favorite job, but like it works <laughs> and you don't have to turn the light on because let me tell you something. I have cussed out my husband more than once for him leaving the toilet seat up and it's middle of the night and I go sit down. I need one of these lights. For that exact reason. If I fall in the damn toilet one more time, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. He's getting better. I've gotten better at that years. too. I'm not as bad as that. We all went through that stage, and I think. Well, I used better. to be polite about it. Like, oh, oh gosh, oh, I said like, oh, I fell in the toilet. Now I'm like, because the <laughs> there's nothing like the water on your butt to wake you up. <laughs> oh my god, it's the worst. And so now I'm like, if I'm gonna be awake. Everybody's going to be awake. <laughs> You're going to rethink this. Um, Jen says, "When this show I, isn't only about horses; it's about life." No, it's about life. It's about it's about life because we're all living it. And let me tell you something. Maybe I could talk about how awful having periods is. Can I just no, no? That we're going to continue there? on now with first world. Pro- there's a first, there's not that's a real world problem. We're not allowed to talk about. Oh, right you're right, you're right. My bad, my bad. Okay, so Jen says when I adopted, you think at 45 they'd be done, but they're not. Okay, when I adopted <laughs> Roharon, which is the horse that she adopted for me, his name was Beggar. I told my husband that I would get a job if I didn't sell my other horse. Ooh. Well, I started riding my other horse again, and now I've decided to keep him. So now I have to get a job but if we get a job i'm not gonna have time to ride two horses <laughs> uh, yeah by the way when she adopted him she was like yeah i'm gonna sell my other horse she was like asking me for help and now i see her posting about that horse more than the horse she adopted jen what's going on <laughs> april says my body has yet to adjust oh give me the tiny violence for this one my body has yet to adjust to my time zone after being in the netherlands for two weeks at the fei driving world championships Shut up, April. Nobody wants to hear. Listen, if you have to go to work and you're like, oh, I'm so jet lagged from my time in the Netherlands, somebody's going to hate you. I saw lots of the pictures and it looks like she had a wonderful time over there. Yeah. She says it feels like a dream now. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it does. And nobody 
nobody's feeling sorry for you right now. Uh, Katie says, I've been riding a 13 three-hand pony all summer, and I just bought a new horse. And she's beautiful and sweet, but she's tall. And now I have to start using mounting block again. (laughs) Uh, Melissa says, I bought a four-year-old. Oh, believe me, the mounting block gets more important the older you get, too. It's true. Mm. It's true. You're not getting on any horse without it. 13.3. I'm like, where? <laughs> why haven't you been block? using one? <laughs> uh, Melissa says, I bought a four year old and he's acting like it. Listen, Melissa, let's have a chat. Just call me. It's Donnelly. She bought Donnelly. So what is he doing? Why is he being naughty? I don't know why. Just let me, just call me. Uh, Kayla says, I really want to get worm flooring for my trailer, by the way. Still awesome. Oh, yeah. You still like it? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I did because I am like, I do have like crazy thoroughbreds that come in that I put like little rubber mats where they paw because they get in there and dig. And I'm like, don't you mess up my floor. (laughs) I'm not Um, sure it would, but. I don't know if it would either, but I'm not taking a chance because I love my floor. Um, And uh, by the way, I'm keeping my trailer so much cleaner now. You just hose it out, right? You just clean it and hose it? Oh, well, I actually clean it after oh. the day. <laughs> yeah, that'll just, go. That will only last a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's like that new car you're not going to eat in, and then in two weeks you're eating in it. There's French yeah. fries in yeah, the exactly. seats, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but she says her truck just got new tires last week, and the trailer needs new tires before the spring, and oh. so she's going to have to wait. But, like, you know what? Just get it. Just credit. Just put new, on your card. New tires are tough. Oh, man. Especially worst. trailer tires. Allie says, my trainer went to a bit fitting clinic over the weekend and came back with tons of bits for all her students to try while we're all finding good fits for our horses. And my mare basically went, which one's the most expensive? Yeah. I'll take that one. And she's like, now I have a finger bit. <laughs> $300 later. Oh, well, thanks, you guys, for submitting your equestrian first world problems and your real world problems. And I apparently submitted mine. I broke my own rule. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah. Again, you just become an auditor and look for the post. And if you have become one and you haven't found it, how do they become uh, get on the Facebook page, Glenn? Uh, if you become one and ha- or haven't joined us yet, just search for HRN Auditors. On By the way, you have to answer questions yes. to get in there. All the weird mm. people that are like going in there mm. and like not answering. Recently. What's going spammers, on? I think recently too. Yeah. So yeah. I think Facebook is being inundated with spammers right now. Yeah. Uh, there's fun. a lot going on on our Facebook page uh, the, for Horses in the Morning, too, that we have to clean up. <laughs> Jennifer's like, where are they all coming from? <laughs> Some um, foreign country somewhere. No. I, hey, uh, I have a first world problem. So, you know, the lot we bought, I just talked about earlier in the show. Is it a first world equestrian problem? Because yes. we don't want your first world problem. Because the lot in the, is going to be equestrian. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot beside it that, that, right beside us that has not been developed and is just woods. And we were thinking that it would be there for 10 years like that after we moved in. And then we found out today it's up for sale. That's because they were like, hey, look, some sucker bought <laughs> I think mine. You I should think that's sell what yours. It was. That one sold for that price, so we can sell ours. So we can't afford to have a house and a second lot. So we're thinking that we kind of need the house. So we want somebody nice to move into right beside us. So if you want information about a five-acre lot that's for sale in the Question community, which has direct access to about 100 miles of trails in the Gothi Forest and the Black Panthers, let me know. <laughs> and I will get you the information. We want somebody nice to move in. They have to be nice. If you're not nice, you can't move in. Not allowed. Good luck uh, with that. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back for, or we'll be here. Stay here. What am I trying to say? Auditors, hang around. 
We're going to talk about. I want to say something real quick because it, 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 I keep missing it, and the shows happen. You know, we we lost the great Bob Barker, oh, yeah. and he was such an advocate for animals. And if you guys remember, I say spay, neuter, and geld. Well, I I got that from from Bob Barker because he always ended every Price is Right episode with always remember spay and neuter your pets. I just added the geld thing because we're horse related, but Bob Barker was an animal advocate and a great man and really um, had a lot of the same. I mean, obviously his entire life foundation at the end of the show was to get people to spay and neuter their pets. And I'm, I'm very much on board with that. That's kind of like what my mission in life is to encourage people to do that and geld their horses. So uh, I know he died a couple weeks ago, but I, I just kept missing shows and stuff. So anyway, in honor of the great Bob Barker, spay neuter and geld. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. That's right. We're going to talk a little about Atlanta and uh, some baseball team there. Um, so, <laughs> so you remind everybody, new auditors, you worked for the Braves. I yeah, I, wor- I worked for the Braves for a couple of years. I was that person on screen with the microphone in between innings, and I also did like a pregame thing out in the uh, the kind of the front of the stadium where everybody came in, and and it was such a great experience. I loved. Um, the first paycheck I ever got from the Atlanta Braves, I was like, I got a paycheck from the Atlanta Braves. Like it was like so. No, it was twelve dollars, but it was still a paycheck. Exactly, from the- <laughs> but it was still a paycheck from the Braves. It was not player money, uh, but. It was awesome. And so, I mean, the Braves, I I used to go to games with my dad, you know, and sit in the outfield behind Dale Murphy. And we had nosebleed seats. And then as I got in the media, I was in the press box. And I've kind of been a fan and kind of a part of the fabric in my in my mind uh, of the of the team and it you know to have them win the world series a couple of years last year, you know, it was just just some awesome stuff that has happened. So, um I got to go this for the weekend. We decided to just make, kind of take a make a Braves weekend of it. So I was ta- I was taking my dad to the game on Saturday night. Lucas has never been to a Braves game, and they have a new stadium I hadn't been to, and wanted to take my dad. And my brother lives there, and so we're going to kind of make this event. But on Friday night, my dad want you know he, he doesn't really care about the baseball or me actually at all. He just wants <laughs> to hang out with Lucas. So we had one of my dad's friends is 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 very wealthy in Atlanta. Not one of his great friends, but there's a guy that said, hey, if your daughter ever wants to come to the yeah. acquaintance, yeah. yeah. If your daughter ever wants to come to a game, I'll give her my tickets. And he's, you know, a very wealthy member of the Atlanta area. So um, I called dad. I said, dad, why don't you, I'll go, I'll go. If you can give me the tickets, Josh and I'll go Friday night. You can hang out with Lucas. And then we'll all go to the Saturday night game. And he was like, that's great. And it was Saturday night. They were retiring Andrew Jones Jersey and it was a big ceremony. It was awesome. They did Andrew Jones bobblehead night. Like it was super cool. So that was our Saturday, but we got the tickets for Friday. (sighs) This is, 
this is not real where what what we experienced I, I, they've really, with this new stadium, there's, there's a section of tickets that you get these tickets and this guy has season tickets and they're right behind home plate. And there's a, you walk into a special entrance. You don't go in the regular poor people entrance. <laughs> you go in the rich folk entrance and we go in and it's an underground like food court and there is food Every type, there's like a seafood station, a carving station, just hot dogs and ballpark food. And then like a salad station, the vegetable station, the pasta station. There was so much food, free beer, free wine, all in this like underground air conditioned TVs everywhere place. It was ridiculous. And and there's there's no cash registers. Everything's free. So, I mean, free, somebody paid for it. Um, but you go in and... Oh, good Lord. I ate so much food, Glenn. There was a station of candy. Like, oh, would you like some candy? And they would just pull this lever and like fill up a bag of jelly beans of of the banana runts. Like just ridiculous. Here's here's a gallon of M&Ms. Just just have them. <laughs> just take them. Oh, over here. Yes, this is the bar and everything is free in the bar. Like it just not like normal existence. This is not where the average people hang out. No, no. no. And my brother, of course, is like, God, the average he, people I, are eating hot dogs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I ate, I was like, we have to make this count and I'm a vegetarian, so I don't get a whole lot of stuff, but I was so full. I just ate and ate and ate then. So the game's about to start. So we go out to sit in our seats and constantly there's like waiters and waitresses coming out. Would you like some ice cream? Sure. I never said no. Would you like some of this? Here's a, here's a giant bag of cotton candy. I did say no to that one, but like the amount, here's some peanuts, hot boiled peanuts, all the, it's just ridiculous amounts of food kept coming. And it like the the very end nice is we're rich, about huh? to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I found the vegan hot dogs and I was like, well, I'm going to have to have some of that. So then I'm eating <laughs> vegan hot dogs and I'm like so full. I'm about to explode. So it was just awesome. And the Braves kicked, but it was just an amazing game. We're right behind him. Play. It was a lot of cheering. I was so close that somebody that I went to high school with was sitting uh, behind the first base dugout and took pictures of us because they could see my brother and I right behind home plate. So I posted those oh pictures. Gosh. She sent them to me. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then to go Saturday night, of course, and my brother made the mistake of having tickets in the 400s, which is like sky high and trying to navigate my father up through <laughs> stairs and everything. It was a terrible idea, <laughs> but we were there for a couple innings and, and it was a blast and everything was great. And, and we all got bobbleheads, you know, as mm, you do, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really, really cool. And it was a really good time, what, but yeah. Okay. So it's been a while since you worked there. Um, what differences did you see either in the game? Obviously it's a new stadium, but put that aside. What did you see in the audience? What difference well, was there in the audience? I mean, if it's a we, Philadelphia, you would have been mugged on the way out, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I will say that the girl who did my job before the game was great. And the person doing the in stadium, you know, TV stuff was great. So I was really impressed with the staff that they had, but what I was thinking too, was like, you know, I, I wore my, Jersey from back in the day. Like I wore a 
Greg Maddox jersey and I had bought that jersey and I'd saved up because to get an actual team jersey, not a game worn one, but to get a, a really nice jersey, they're like $250, $300. They're wow. ex- super expensive. I mean, mine wasn't shirt. for a shirt. <laughs> And as a player's number, you know, and you, they're, they're expensive now. And I think it was like a hundred bucks when I bought it 20 years ago. And it was, I remember like having to save for it and everything. I think I got on eBay, you know? (laughs) And, And so, you know, there wasn't many people that would wear, everybody would wear Braves t-shirts or something, but not many people had the actual jerseys. Well, this time, every single person in the entire stadium had a Jersey, a team jersey, like one of the expensive ones. I was like, where did these people get all this money? I mean, and then the ticket prices are ungodly. Like, I think the tickets for my Friday night were $700 a piece. Now, again, <laughs> I didn't pay for that. It was just degenerate. So what are they in the nosebleed seats? You used to be able to go for 25 bucks to the baseball game. I'm sure there. I I asked my dad, I was like, how much did you pay for these tickets? And I think he thought I wanted to pay him back, which oh. of course I didn't. <laughs> but he was like, don't worry about it. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you because he didn't want me to pay him back. I was just actually curious, but it had to be at least 50 bucks a ticket um, to just go. I mean, just taking your family to a ball game and sitting in the 400s, a family of four, it was it probably four or $500. I mean, insane. And then everybody's got these $250 jerseys on. Everybody did. And then their current ones. Like I saw one girl with a Dansby Swanson jersey. And I want a Dansby Swanson jersey because he was the hottest Braves player to ever grace the field. <laughs> and he's no now, now no longer on the team. And I was like, hey, where'd you get that Swanson jersey? I want one. And she was like, ugh, I hate this jersey. And I was like, excuse me. She's like, he doesn't play for the team anymore. I need to get a new one. And I was like, you little bitch. Like, (laughs) and then I was like, I'll give you 40 bucks for it right now. And she said, no, I was in the bathroom at the restaurant (laughs) trying to buy a shirt off of another girl. That's normal. Uh, But anyway, she wouldn't let me buy the jersey off of her. But it was just like utter disdain that she had a jersey that didn't have a current player on it. Oh, my God. I was like, people's credit card bills must be just like. It, money just doesn't seem to matter to people anymore. I don't get okay, it. Okay, I just looked it up. Uh, if you want to sit in the grandstand, the general admission, which is at the very top of the stadium, which would probably give your father a heart attack, um, those are $29, and then it goes up to $1,000. Yeah. I think ours were 50 maybe $48, and we were way up. We were way up, but not at the... Up, up. We were at the very top on the first row. Yeah, those are fifty dollars each. Those. Okay. Uh, and then what? You, you know, obviously, the further down you get, you, I mean, just a regular seat, like uh, three sections up, is two hundred dollars. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that has to be that because they play the pay the players a billion dollars, <laughs> and then they have what the, the, the called the clubhouse store. And it's a store, just like a little kiosk where you can go in and buy more brave shit. And everyone has a line. There's a line outside to go in to spend more money on things. Uh, You know, those little like seltzer, like hard seltzers, just a can of hard seltzer yeah. was thirteen fifty. Oh my god! You buy I was like, I can buy a dollar fifty twelve pack for that. <laughs> oh my god! And you know, it, it, and you said the stadium was full. Full. I mean, it was a special night on Saturday night, but, and it was Pittsburgh, like 
I mean, I'm sure we have Pittsburgh people listening. Well, your team sucks. Uh, sorry. And also your yeah, the, the the they're just not very good, and so it wasn't like this crazy like rivalry or something like that. And there's not a whole lot of Pittsburgh fans in Atlanta, yeah. so like we do when the, we play the Cubs, there's a shit ton of Cubs fans at the game. So this is like mainly all Braves fans. I mean, the amount of money people spend is on. Believable, but it was really cool. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I didn't spend any money. I mean, the, the whole thing didn't cost me a dime aside from booking the Delta flight. That was, you know, 100 bucks for <laughs> Lucas and I to hop a flight. <laughs> well, I mean, that's amazing. I'm glad you had a great time. But you're right about tickets for anything. There's a new Cirque du Soleil at Disney in, in Orlando. And I thought we were going down there the one day and I said, well, let's see if we can see the new Cirque du Soleil because the old one was pretty good. But there's a new one. It's all about Disney animation and all this stuff. I thought that'd be great. It's almost $200 a ticket. Good Lord. For Cirque du Soleil show in Orlando. Yeah. It's that that's not worth it. Four hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, I could do a lot of other things with four hundred dollars. <laughs> four hundred dollars. That is insane. I mean, just <laughs> concert tickets now. Concert tickets are, are two hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> I mean, I love going to shows and love going to concerts and all that, but not for two hundred dollars a ticket. I mean, yeah, uh, here's I'm gonna sound old. It used to be like twelve bucks. So Taylor Swift, I just read this report yesterday. The government accounting office has come out and said that Taylor Swift's tour in the United States will generate over five billion dollars in mm. in activity. You know, people going, people spending money, people eating, all of that. Flying there, doing all of that. Over $5 billion. I was just, it's, go ahead. Her tour is resulting in more than 50 different countries' total spending for a year. Oh, my God. That's crazy. (laughs) And that's That's why she wanted to, she wanted to go, this is Taylor Swift, too. This is so Taylor Swift. I love her. She's going, she put, they did a movie about the tour and one of the stops and, you know, put it into a movie they're showing at theaters. Well, she can't, instead of going through Paramount or one of those, she contacted the theater chains directly. And bypassed the middleman altogether, which is unheard of. Nobody's ever done it before. And pissed them all off. Uh, but she said, I want to go directly. I'm going to have my one night. People can come see it one night uh, in the theaters. And they all and AMC agreed because it's Taylor Swift. And they had to cancel. There were like four or five major movies supposed to open that day that got postponed by the networks because oh they didn't want to compete with Taylor. Wow, that's insane. There's a force. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, she's she's had a lot of stuff going, trying to buy her music back because she couldn't even get her music rights back and Mm. all that. She owns the world right now in music. She does. She does. (laughs) And and, and she's awesome. But I just I was listening to an interview about an about kind of how the music industry is now. And apparently you used to make an album. And you'd go on tour to promote the album. But the way it is now, you actually make an album and go on tour to pro you, you make, make an money. album to promote your tour. <laughs> yes. Because the tour is because nobody buys albums anymore. So you have to make the music and that's a second to doing the actual concert. So they make so much more doing the tours and concerts. It's insane. I, if you look at like Forbes, you think of actors making $20 million a role. These, you know, I'm going in November, I'm flying to Las Vegas for two nights to go to see you two with my brother. And I don't, I, 
this is a post show. I spent six hundred dollars on a ticket to go see you two. Yeah, they're still in, demanding that much in Vegas. Well, this is like a real special thing, and we got really good seats. My brother is, and I—that's the only thing we've ever. By the way, my brother and his wife too. You two fanatics. Uh huh. Yeah, well, yep. that's the only thing my brother and I have ever connected on ever <laughs> in our entire life is the fact that we both like you too. So I'm going to go to Vegas. I think at the beginning of November to go see their tour, and they've got some new stage thing that's never been done. It's a it's called the U2 360 tour, and uh, it's the whole album of Octung Baby. Like it's a whole big thing, and I'm going to go. But yeah, I think the tickets were five fifty a piece. They're not young anymore, are they? No. The U2 guys? No. No, they, no. Yeah. But I've always said that Bono could tell me to do anything and I would do it. Bono would be like, we need to jump off this bridge. I'd be like, <laughs> cool, where? Where do you want me to stand and jump? Is he now? He's got to be in his 60s. He's older than me, so he's 63. Uh, okay. oh, he's got another 20 years yet. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> I mean, Mick Jagger's 80. He's still going. Yeah, he's still going. All right, let's wrap this up. <clears throat> okay. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye. Glad you had a good time. Thanks. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.